computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome everyone to another Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. Today I'll be your host, Cranjus McBasketball. You can call me Tim. And uh, we're just going to hit some really quick observations, a couple questions, and a prediction from the past few Lakers games. Tom isn't with us today. We'll be back soon. But I, I want to start getting some of these pods up more frequently. I'm having a lot of thoughts. I know after one game, I'm feeling one way. After another game, game I'm seeing other things. And instead of dumping it all on you all at once, it's more fun to see how that progresses and how the team's chemistry or issues or strengths are developing. And, and it's, it's much more dynamic over time. So I want to get these podcasts out more frequently. They'll probably be a little bit shorter, but I want to hit on some of those key concepts. So today we're doing three observations, two questions and one prediction, a, uh, actually a, a writing style for articles. I really, uh, enjoy from, uh, Actually, Luce Emoji, who recently passed away, uh, Blue and Gold Illustrated, a Notre Dame football writer, would go with this format. And it's something we've used at B-Ball Index. So this is a good way to structure my thoughts, try to frame things the right way, um, and hopefully, you know, make it quick, uh, some quick hitters for you. So three observations. Number one observation from the Lakers and that Denver game is that the Lakers game plan was pretty vanilla. It was a regular season game plan. It was pretty close to their base game plan based on the personnel they were running and it wasn't by any means optimized and and to Denver's credit they also weren't doing all of the different they they weren't pulling out the bells and the whistles that we saw them pull out last playoff so this was a regular season matchup it still mattered it mattered a lot for the Lakers they needed this one we felt it the sentiment on Twitter on the discord has shifted quite a lot over the past 48 hours um Dennis Schroeder being in the COVID protocols, LeBron missing a game after the Lakers dropped three games in a row, just dropping games the way that they were being embarrassed, being blown out. And then, you know, coming back a little bit at the end in a game that was pretty much under control two games ago, that had the team, that had everyone feeling down, that had the team feeling down. You could hear it in their postgame comments. They weren't really beating around the bush at times. This one was needed and the Lakers stepped up the game plan itself was kind of vanilla, but they executed really well. And we saw some really good performances and we saw some tweaks from a personnel standpoint that I think really helped the Lakers win. But talking game plan, post-defense was mostly one-on-one. We weren't seeing all the different types of creative help and, you know, switching and then scramming out of switches where you uh, maybe you switch a ball screen and you've got Alex Caruso guarding Nikola Jokic. So he'll, instead of just standing behind him and letting them attack that post matchup one-on-one or perimeter ISO one-on-one, he'll front Jokic, make it hard for the Nuggets to get a post uh, post pass in, and then find the closest big man and switch with them off ball. Those sorts of things let you negate those ball screens, but then also not have to pay the price of giving up mismatches, which against a team that has Nikola Jokic is really important. We didn't see that. We saw that back when the Lakers played this team in February. We saw double teams and stunting and digs and all sorts of things. This time it was mostly one-on-one post defense. We saw Drummond 
We saw Gasol. Those were the really the top two guys, and you see it in the matchup data as well. They were the ones taking on Jokic and uh, Drummond a little bit more. Uh, Jokic got up, I think, like 12 shots with him guarding him. Um, some went in, some didn't go in. I think the shot quality of those looks is a little bit better than what he was getting against Mark. And, you know, Mark's a good post defender. Mark is, we've talked about this, Mark is a very, very good post defender. He's not Dwight Howard elite caliber, but he's very good. He's the best the Lakers have. Uh, Anthony Davis is good. Andre Drummond for a big man is average to below average. And then Montrose Harrell is not someone who's a good post defender. When, when Trez is out there, and we saw this in that February matchup, the Lakers needed to bring that extra help. With Drummond out there, it's not that bad, but it's bad enough that Jokic was able to have a pretty efficient night um, when Drummond was guarding him. And I mean, you know, shots go in, shots don't go in. It's hard to look at small samples and say, oh, well, this guy shot two for three or two for five or three for 10. That's not what we're doing tonight, but you can see it on the film. It was easier for Jokic to get to his spots. Um, he put up a couple of jumpers against both guys, but he was able to get to the rim against Drummond. And that's where he scores more efficiently in the post. That's where he draws fouls. I mean, based on the fact that he was drawing foul after foul on Drummond, that tells you that Drummond was getting beat and he couldn't play legal, good defense and had to foul. So that's not good. That's not exactly what you're looking for, but it was much better than what Trez was doing out there and what what he would have been doing out there. And there's a reason we didn't see him play as much and the reason we didn't see him guarding Jokic as much. But it makes you think, if Drummond would have managed his foul trouble better, would we have seen Marcus Gasol at all? Thankfully, we did see Marcus Gasol and he played some excellent stellar one-on-one post defense. But getting back to my main point, that was vanilla post defense. LA just, you know, it was on the strength of their personnel against Jokic one-on-one. From a ball screen standpoint, we saw switching on 23% of ball screens. Uh, several of them were big to bigs uh, screens that like you, you're fine switching. Um, we saw catch hedging, LA's base coverage on half of the ball screens they faced. And a quick refresher, the way that's different from last year's no man behind roller uh, drop coverage defense is the the big man in this action. So so the guard is probably going over in all situations. And the Lakers did this past game. I actually would have preferred they go under because you give up those pull up threes in Denver's personnel right now isn't in a place where they're going to beat you with those. And a lot of what Jokic gets is because either in the short roll or the long roll or popping when your big man in that action needs to hedge at all in in contain, that gives him the angles, it gives him the spacing to get open. And really in these ball screens against Denver with this personnel, you want to stop Jokic. Yeah, and if you go under, that would have been a, a better way to try to do that. We didn't see that. So again, vanilla game plan. But the difference between the no man behind drop defense and LA's base this year, which is the catch hedging, is Drop defense is better when you have those guys who can retreat quickly, jump high, and break up lobs. JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard. Those guys were good at drop coverage. Marcus Saul, Montrez Harrell, Andre Drummond, those are not those kinds of guys. They're a little bit more mobile and they can cover space laterally. They you don't, you know, stick them in ISO. You're not switching out writing and sticking them in ISOs on the perimeter against guards. And we I mean, we even saw uh Marcus Saul get driven by uh, who is that? Austin Rivers in the game at one point, but in a short contain for a couple seconds until the guard gets back, that's somewhere that suits their skill set. So this catch hedging, it's a, it's called a soft hedge, a catch hedge. You're there to not let the the ball handler get up, op- get off a wide open pull up three, 
but you're also not dropping. You're not giving him a runway to attack you. You're just a step, a step and a half below the screen, if not at the level of the screen. This isn't a show. This isn't a hard, uh, you know, step out, make them retreat or pick the ball up and then get back. You're just there until the guard recovers and then you retreat. That's a little bit different from drop coverage. Drop coverage in a no man uh, behind style, which is what the Lakers used last year, that big man, he is, he's going back, he's retreating no matter what. He is not going to let the roll man get behind him. He's not going to let the ball handler get behind him. He is focused on protecting the rim and staying in front of those two guys. And you don't have any sort of tag. You don't have any help defense from your, the other three off ball players in this action. And I mean, on tape, a dead giveaway of no man behind versus catch hedging is the screener, uh, the, the big man's positioning. These were a lot more catch hedging, a lot more closer to the ball. If they are bailing out or if they are trying to contain and then getting back once the guard recovers, that's the other thing you're looking for. And then what are the off ball players doing? The Lakers were tagging all day long. From the low man on the weak side, from the next man over on the perimeter to take away the short roll or to take away the pops. This was happening left and right. And it's harder to notice watching live. If you're looking for it, you'll see it. But in the film, it's really obvious. This was not uh, no man roller behind um, for most of the game. And then we saw Mark come in and we saw the Lakers actually drop for about 27% of their ball screens in this game. So more than with Drummond, more than with Trez. we did see the Lakers go to a little bit of drop when they used it was when JaVale McGee was out there and you don't care about his short roll or his popping. So you can drop that's fine. Um, or a, a little bit at other points in the game where uh, Denver was attacking with ball screens kind of side to side and getting the big men out of position. So you just kind of retreat tactically because you know, you're going to be compromised trying to contain around the corner. So again, game plan was vanilla. That's what it looked like from defending the post, defending ball screens. We didn't see anything creative defending sets, but the Lakers executed pretty well. My second observation, and this is going back more than just this game, but over the past couple games, um, and 80's been better at this recently, but LeBron, Schroeder, and Schroeder was out this game. THT, Ben McLemore, and Markeith Morris. Those are the guys, that's the group of players that if I'm seeing a defensive breakdown, it's usually one or more of those guys. And the Lakers have success with a lot of their starting groups, even with Drummond out there. This isn't, we'll talk about Drummond versus Gasol versus Trez in a minute, but a lot of what's causing the issues, especially against Dallas, when we were seeing them getting lobs and uh, getting open threes, it's not the big man who's struggling. It's not in that catch hedging. They're trying to contain those tags from those off ball guards and wings. They need to be happening because if they don't happen, the action is just kind of blown altogether. So these guys are the ones either not tagging or late to tag, or if someone does tag and then there's a two V one on the weak side that, that next uh, guard or wing defender, he has to rotate down. And if you want to see this visualized, go check out our Lakers exceptionalism pod, uh, not discord our, uh, what's it called? Our Twitch. We have a video on the Twitch breaking down what those rotations look like. That, those rotations are important. This isn't last year where it was a 2v2 thing. This is not a style of defense that just lets you, you know, give the least amount of effort. This isn't a, you know, we're going to we're gonna walk through on defense. This is something where guys need to be hustling around. You need to be expelling energy. And if you're not, it's going to cause breakdowns. 
And when breakdowns have happened, it's been from those players. I saw a play where THT and uh, and Macklemore ended up in the same place on the same guy. And, you know, somebody's wrong there. You you shouldn't be cl- having two players close out to one player. And when the Lakers are scrambling and recovering and they did a better job of that this past game, you need to stay engaged. It's not close out to one player and then stand around. Because when you stand around and you've got two guys standing next to each other, something's wrong. So I've noticed that third observation Andre Drummond is still being used as a post scorer. He's not being used as a rolling cup big. This is important. When he was brought to the team and we had the several pods breaking down his game, breaking down him versus Damian Jones, my argument for Damian Jones or for a Damian Jones style of player was, hey, when LeBron and AD are playing and they're healthy, we don't need an extra on-ball post score. That's not really what you don't want the ball taken away from your better players for a guy who's going to stand around in the paint, clog, clog those lanes up and, you know, for an inefficient post score at that. If he can become an off-ball, dump-off garbage man like a JaVale or a Dwight Howard, yeah, that fits more what the Lakers need, but it also doesn't fit Drummond's skill set. He is a weaker finisher at the rim. We see that. I mean, at this point, I don't think anyone's arguing that. It's very evident in the data. It was for the Cavs. He's, I mean, his field goal percentage is up a little bit for the Lakers because the shot quality is up a little bit, like we were talking about, we were predicting. But he's still underperforming severely. And when you've got a guy that you know you can help off of a little bit because he's going to underperform and you can recover to that, that clogs up those driving lanes even more. And this is something the Lakers have been poor at as a team, even last year. Going back to last year, think of the Houston series. One reason going big didn't work was because the Lakers did not punish Houston with Dwight Howard on the boards and with the open lobs that they constantly had open. Drummond isn't even available for those lobs. And this is already something we know the Lakers aren't as good at. So you're not getting that advantage of him in that opposite dunker spot. And when AD's posting up, a lot of times... Drummond's man is taking a couple steps over. He's right in the middle of the paint and the defense is sending help from the perimeter on AD side of the court. And when that guard makes the post entry and then is helped off of and AD gets double double teamed, usually the, the right move is to just cut to the rim. But when that man, that Drummond's man, the opposing team starting center is standing right in front of the rim, that cut is cutting into help. And this is why we see the Lakers turn the ball over on these plays. The the cut should be the right read, but it's not the right read because there's help coming from the baseline. And I mean, we saw 21 Laker post-ups this game. We saw 10 of them countered with some extra help. And 50% of those 10 plays, the Lakers turned the ball over because they're making these mistakes. And by having that guy down there, that enables you to make these mistakes. It's very different from either playing five out and not having someone in the opposite dunker spot. It's also very different from having Alex Caruso or Dennis Schroeder in the opposite dunker spot because then you have a guard that's coming over to help, not a rim-protecting center, not Nikola Jokic. If Nikola Jokic has to help from the perimeter instead of taking two steps over, that's a worse spot for the defense to be. And this is you know, kind of how the Bucks set up their offensive tweak this year where they are – putting little guys in that dunker spot a little bit more than big men because they know that's where the help's going to come from on a drive or a post-up. And by putting a little man there, the help is going to be a little man. And that's helpful for the offense. Giannis is going to finish around that. We saw AD. He saw extra help from the baseline, finished right around it because it was Facundo uh, I'm gonna. I think I butch- butchered his name, but that matters. 
Andre Drummond is still being used as that post score. He's still getting a bunch of post touches. He's not involved in the role game. He's not involved as much as a dump off cut guy as he potentially could be, or we were hoping he would be. So he's in a tough spot where either he's not doing what's best for his skill set, or he's playing a type of role that isn't a good fit for what the team needs. And transitioning into my two questions, how will the Lakers handle Gasol versus Trez versus Drummond? That's part of the conundrum. Andre Drummond isn't the finisher that Trez is, but he's a better post defender. He's a better rebounder. Neither of them are the post defender that Gasol is, but both of them are better post players than Gasol is. Um, You run maybe slightly different screen coverages with these three guys. With Gasol, you have that floor spacing. With the other two, you don't. So there are pros and cons to each of them. There are going to be specific series where I think certain guys are more of a fit than others. And we've talked about this on this pod. We went, all right, would you rather play, what did we say? Uh, Dallas, no, I'm sorry. Who did we say? It was Utah or Phoenix. And then we went uh, Denver or I think it might've been Dallas. No, Portland. And in each case, we said, hey, this is, this is more of a Drummond series or this is more of a Trez series. And we struggled to find those Drummond series. But this one against Denver where you can't have that weak post defense out there is one where it's going to be Gasol. It's going to be Drummond. It's going to be AD. Those are going to be your your post defender options. Trez is not going to play much in this series. So that's important. And as we're watching, and and as you see people clamoring for Gasol and and me saying, hey, I, I need Gasol out there. Where's Gasol? Part of that, it's not that Drummond's not performing well. And, you know, you can argue he's not performing well. I would argue he's had a number of games where he's not performing all that well. Um, pointing to the box score when he puts up points and rebounds or when he doesn't put up points and rebounds isn't the way to evaluate him. Because last night, he didn't have a single rebounding opportunity. He didn't have any rebounds. That's not because he was getting beat, in the, beat on the boards. Uh, so it, it just some of these times, it's, it's just not the right way to evaluate him. He'll have games where he posts up eight times and then he'll have a game where he posts up once and then gets eight dump offs. His efficiency is going to be different. But the expected efficiency is different too. So you have to use your eyes. You have to be able to evaluate and contextualize what you're looking at because the box score doesn't do enough of that. We have some data that can do a little bit better job, but box score alone isn't going to get you what you need there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So when Gasol comes in and we see this just breath of fresh air for the offense, all of a sudden 80's posting up and there isn't that big man taking away cuts. There isn't the help right there. Um, it, it changes things. It changes driving lanes. It allows THT to be more aggressive. 
And I mean, the thing with THT is he's going to be aggressive. He's got that one pitch, that one really good fastball he's going to go to. And if the defense is packing the paint against it, which they can do much, much more easily if there's a man camped in the dunker spot, then, then it's gonna, he's going to struggle a little bit more. When the paint is wide open and Gasol's out there facilitating, you see him orchestrating, you see him point, you see him talk offensively and defensively, much more so than Trez or Drummond. This is just an IQ. This is a strength for Gasol. He has his weak areas, but one of his strengths is that ability to communicate and organize, and especially for the second unit, or just, I mean, the Lakers in general for this game, without Schroeder, without LeBron, you're missing those key offensive organizing kind of guys. And Schroeder's not really a, a like a, a facilitator, a playmaker, but he can, you know, get guys set up and he can go attack. LeBron's going to get everybody set up. He's going to score. He's going to facilitate. THT is looking to score. THT is going to be THT. And you can either bench him, you can live with it. And, and if you're going to live with it and he's going to be out there, you have to try to set him up well to succeed. And we saw a better version of Talon Horton Tucker because Marcus Gasol was out there. So I, I, I just, I appreciate that. Um, I think he makes some of these other guys look better. He makes AD look better. We heard uh, as soon as he went in and suddenly AD's getting these wide open 1v1 post touches, uh, the broadcast say something like, oh, you can see AD's, you know, shaking the rust off the same way against this same team last playoffs. We saw the Lakers... Uh, face it, you know, when, when the Lakers would get into ISO situations, Denver was stunting. They were sending extra help. They were making it so LeBron couldn't drive. And all of a sudden the broadcast starts talking about, oh man, he's passive. He's not being aggressive. LeBron doesn't want it. Those sorts of things. And then when the Lakers make those tactical adjustments and clear out those driving lanes and LeBron's able to be LeBron, not, you know, attack 1v3, all of a sudden he's, you know, he wants it now. He's more aggressive. It's the same sort of thing. It's it's X's and O's. It's simple basketball and it's skill sets and understanding how they fit together. So moving forward, Gasol versus Trez versus Drummond, I think Gasol should be playing pretty consistently. I think he, with the starting unit, he's going to add spacing, let LeBron and AD attack in the post. And he's going to open driving lanes for shooter. With the second unit, he adds an element of being able to organize the offense along with that spacing. In both units, his defense is, is a good step up from Drummond's. It's a good step up from Trez's in pretty much every respect. So I think Gasol should be a mainstay in the rotation. If you're going to play a traditional five, he needs to be out there. And then whether you play Trez or Drummond comes down to who the matchup is. And there will be certain teams where Drummond gets the nod. There will be certain teams where Trez gets the nod. But that's kind of how I would look at things. And we even saw uh, after the game, Frank Vogel say, well, I was planning on putting Gasol in, you know, it kind of a, well, you know, this was going to happen anyway. This wasn't because of Drummond's foul trouble, which I'd push back on, given the fact that when he came in, it was late second quarter because of the foul trouble. If not for the foul trouble, he was not coming in in the first half. In the second half, when Frank said he would be playing Gasol would be when Drummond is sitting, but Jokic is playing. And looking at when Jokic plays, which is pretty consistent game after game after game, uh, barring foul trouble or blowouts, he's going to play that whole third quarter and then come in for the second half of the fourth quarter. Drummond's minutes generally are a lot of overlap in that third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, he basically comes in around the same time that Jokic would. So you're really looking at a couple minute stretch in the third quarter that in theory, that, that's where Gasol would be playing, unless you're taking time away from Drummond just overall, regardless of his foul situation, which I don't know if that was the case. Why this is confounding to me is two things. One, I don't believe it because of the, the just how it was playing out. Two, 
Trez is the one you should be taking the time away from, not Drummond in this matchup. And that's actually what ended up happening. But just the way it was presented, the thought process behind explaining what we saw doesn't make sense from a reality standpoint. And conceptually, it, it I don't think is the best strategy. So that really stood out to me. Second question. We've talked about it on the podcast. I published an article breaking down everything in a, a dashboard that is updated every single day and has live data. Will the Lakers counter post help better? I talked about this a couple minutes ago. Lakers posted up 21 times this game. They've been posting up 22.3 times on average over the past couple games when LeBron is in there, uh, AD's in there, Drummond's in there, Trez is in there. Between those four guys, you're going to get a lot of post-ups. Even without LeBron this last game, we've got a ton of post-ups. AD's posting up a ton. Drummond posts up a ton. Uh, Trez, when he's out there, posts up. Keith posts up. I mean, THD even posted up once. Kuz occasionally posts up. Wes will post up sometimes. But those main guys, when they're all out there, they're going to be posting up um, about 20 times a game. And just to refresh everyone's memories, the, the situation is because the Lakers are so good at posting up, defenses are sending extra help. They're bringing a second defender. They're making the Lakers play one-on-two if they do want to attack in the post, which sometimes the Lakers do, and it's bad. It's not efficient. And then sometimes the Lakers try to pass out of that, and they just you know skip, pass, swing, swing, try to get shots off. And when it's unorganized and there's no screening involved, it's easy for the defense to just recover and get a hand up and contest a lot of those shots. So that's not that has not been good offense. When the Lakers do decide to counter, they've been using the right things. And they've attacked help from the strong side the right ways. They've attacked help from the weak side the right ways. It's really about where is the defense vulnerable in terms of like this was a good, this was a smart, this was a not a smart counter. It really comes down to where's the vulnerability, where's the numbers advantage. Two on ones, three on twos in transition, that's good basketball. You're getting those same looks when the defense sends an extra man on a ball screen or on a post up or on an ISO. You just have to be organized and know where to attack because if you're slow or you're trying to figure it out in the moment, you're going to lose a lot of that advantage that you're just being handed on a platter by the defense. So the Lakers, their main issue isn't that it's not a lack of creativity. They're running the right things. It's not that they're hiding the counters. They are running the right counters. It's a matter of frequency. When they're seeing extra help, which is like half the time, most of the time they're not trying to counter it at all. They're not doing anything. They're attacking 1v2 or 1v2 and a half or 1v1 and a half or they're skip passing and, and defense is able to recover. That's not good. When they do counter, they can be more efficient. They can be more accurate in attacking the weakness in the defense. For example, what I talked about earlier, when Drummond's out there and he's in the opposite dunker spot, his man, let's say he's on the right side of the court, 80's posting up on the left block, Drummond's man's going to sag into the paint and he's going to be able to take away cuts that the Lakers try to send, which is the right, generally the right counter when there's strong side help from the perimeter on AD. There's that guy's digging down or he's doubling. You know, cut that player, cut Caruso, cut Schroeder, cut whoever's that guard. But when they're cutting right into a big man, that's causing issues, that's causing turnovers, that's an incorrect counter when in reality the numbers advantage is on the weak side. So recognition and knowing to counter at all needs to get better and then recognizing where the weakness is and running the right counter can get a little bit better as well so that's the situation go check out the dashboard it's updated you can you can look at it game by game you can look at it for individual players if you click on anything everything else on the dashboard will update but that's been something that 
has really irked me. I'm happy to put it out in the public because it's been like 46, 47 games at this point. Huge sample size, huge, huge sample size. And it's not, oh, the guys are injured. Like this is the same way no matter who's really out there, whether it's LeBron or AD or Drummond or whoever. The Lakers have the same issues behaviorally and just logically and in the results, we see them be better when they attack that numbers advantage or when they're doing enough smart countering that the defense doesn't try to send extra help. Then the Lakers are also really good. When you can post up 1v1 AD or LeBron or Montrezl Harrell on a defender, they're winning those matchups. LA just isn't able to consistently give them one-on-ones because they're not countering that post up well. So go check that out. How, where, you know, will they get better at it? If they do, we're certainly going to see. They're aware of this. And we're just hoping that they're able to work through in film sessions because we know there isn't a lot of practicing going on uh, and make the changes they need to. So those are my two questions. And then my one prediction, I think AD is back. I think from what we were seeing with him being a step slow on some rotations, just his instincts weren't quite there. The He physically didn't look right. He looks a little bit better now. And offensively, he's getting to his spots. His, his handle looks good. He's got the full rep- repertoire of post moves. And defensively, he's all over the place. He's able to be in that weak side role. And especially when Gasol's out there doing a good job at the point of attack in these ball screen situations, and we're seeing uh, players need to throw these wild skip passes, AD's able to pick those off. So I'm liking what I'm seeing from him defensively in this last game, a little bit more so than the couple games before that. Offensively, I think he's doing the right things. And I think he looks, he suddenly looks much better when there's real spacing out there with Marcus Gasol, which to me is a big reason why you don't just want to say, oh, well, I think Marcus Gasol should play with the bench units. Yeah, sometimes that he would help them, but he's going to help the starters too because he's going to help AD's spacing. He's going to, when AD and LeBron post up as much as they do, you can't have a dude clogging up the paint, clogging up driving lanes, because that turns AD rolls into mid-range jumpers instead of dunks. That turns LeBron post-ups into fadeaways towards the baseline instead of shots at the rim. That just spacing itself, and, and it's not because Gasol's more talented than Drummond or anything like that. It's it's just a matter of the types of players and the, what the skill sets they bring. You want to have that spacing because that helps those two-star players play like those two-star players. And if extra help is still coming and it has to come an extra four or five steps to get there, it's much easier to read that and react and, and get open looks. And as long as Marcus is knocking down open threes, which he's been doing, you're going to see defenses, you know, be in really tough situations. So that's my prediction. I think he's looking better. I think he's making decisions better. I think he's moving better. And I think he'll be set up better to succeed if Gasol's able to break into the rotation, which at this point, if he doesn't, we need to, there, there needs to be a little bit of heat. <laughs> I need to see some some more uh, aggressive questions asked in these media scrums because I don't, the team has to see it at this point. The team has to see it at this point. And these games matter. If this were a month ago, I get trying to experiment with stuff and figure out what works. It's too late. It's go time right now. It's like if the team optimizes themselves and, and plays hard and, and wins these next couple games and puts themselves in a position to succeed, like this right now is that signature stretch of games against tough teams. The Clippers, Portland, you know, it's it's not all bucks and nets, but these are games that matter in the standings and just for the team getting right. We can look at the standings as much as we want and be rooting for certain teams to win and lose. But at the end of the day, if the Lakers aren't healthy, they're not going to win the title. And if they're not playing 
you know, if they are healthy, but they're not playing good basketball, they're not going to win the title. I don't care who they're playing. They might survive an extra round, but they need to make themselves right. They need to look internally, not externally and just get better at these things. They need to be running these better lineups, figure out the center rotation, try to get healthy the best you can um, and do these things like countering that post help because those things help your team succeed tangibly. So that's it. About half hour, nice quick three, two, one for all y'all. Um, let me know what you think. Keep an eye out for more of these moving forward. Uh, I've been Cranjus McBasketball, and this is the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. Thanks, everyone. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com